The information delivered through this program is provided as an educational resource only and is not to be used for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. If you require any form of professional support, please seek it out for yourself. Thank you so much for tuning in. Every week I present a brief but impactful commentary about how to make your biggest goals and wildest dreams a reality by getting them on your to-do list. You know, one of the biggest reasons that we struggle to fulfill all of our goals and dreams is because we put them on too high a pedestal. And then we convince ourselves that they're never ever going to come true. You know, that's not a goal. That's not even a dream. That's a fantasy. So for the next few minutes, I'll share the strategy for turning these fantasies into everyday tasks. Tasks that you can perform the way you wash the dishes or take out the trash. Until one by one, each of these tasks will grow into the goal you seek to achieve and the dream you hope to fulfill. Hello, Abundance Seekers. Welcome to the program. So, by now, most people have either uh, heard or have just come to realize that the economy is about to take yet another downturn. Um, there's a lot of factors, including world events like war uh, and, the, and the pandemic, obviously, and other factors too. But they've contributed to a correction that many are predicting may turn into an actual recession. There are actually a few people there out there who are pointing to markers that this could be headed for a depression. Um, we have already in the last, uh, I think, five years had four uh, what they call centenary repeating events. Uh, obviously, the pandemic was one of them. Uh, in 1918, we had the Spanish flu. 2019, we have COVID. Um, but we've had, there have been other markers as well, um, including the economic downturn, etc. cetera. Um, if you're familiar with the Elliott Wave Principle, <coughs> pardon me, um, that uh, points to the 10-year cycle uh, of economic activity. That's certainly in, in play here. But with all of these centenary repetitive events, uh, a lot of experts are saying the markers are all in place. This is a pre-depression style economy. Now, don't panic. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to be a doomsayer here. Um, there's no way we'll ever have another Great Depression 10-year tear out. There's not a chance. Um, in fact, to be honest, if there was a depression, it would probably be the lesser part, this kind of the, the, the tail whip of what's already been an overextended uh, period of time. We were bound to have a correction in 2019 because of that 10-year uh, uh, repetitive wave. Um, and it's come to a point now where enough people embrace the idea of that 10-year thing that people tend to panic around, uh, you know, the years that end in 07, 08, and the downturn is almost inevitable because of their panic. It's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy now. Um, so we were bound to have something, some kind of correction in 2019. Everyone I know in the investment world saw it coming, predicted it and everything. What we didn't predict was shortly after that took hold that we would be hit with a pandemic, a lockdown, isolation, the end of regular business. So this has been extended. And however, it does again mirror uh, many of the things that happened 100 years ago that ultimately led to the depression of 1929. So a lot of experts are saying by 2025, 26, we may see another 
uh, downturn hit, another attack of that nature. There's no way because of what goes on now in the world digitally, right? Because money isn't real anymore. See, the depression was a hard hit because you can only produce a certain amount of money against a gold or silver or precious metal or jewels standard worldwide. And nowhere in the world could they back the boosting of the economy against the, the, the um, hard currency, the, the tangible currency that they had in place. But now everything's digital, right? The, the, the money's not even real. So it's, it's very hard to, to get slammed down like that where there's absolutely no movement. But we are in what's called a shrinkflation or stagnation or stagflation uh, period where things are at a standstill on one level, they're dropping on another level while prices are rising. It creates a really messy situation. And of course, the only way the government ever knows to deal with any inflationary period is, is to raise interest rates. So interest rates are going up, which means that drops a lot of markets down. Uh, for instance, my wife and I are trying to sell our house because we had a really hot market. And unfortunately, we were a little slow getting on the uptake, fixing the place up, getting everything going. Now we're entering the market as it's on the downturn. And people are not banging on our door three times a day looking to sell. I wish I'd said yes to some of those people <laughs> when they were knocking on the door. We'll still get a great price for our house. And we've been here for 25 years. We bought this place for slightly over $100,000 in 1997. And we're guaranteed to get at least seven fifty. So we're doing okay. Uh, and even having refinanced our mortgage, we're sitting on a little bit more than we were when we started, but not that much. So we're we're okay. But you know, I really wish I'd been part of the crowd, you know, up the road uh, at the beginning of the year that sold their places for a million bucks. Places that aren't even as nice as ours. So it happens. That's what happens in the economy. And again, you might be saying, well, why are you smiling, man? Jeez, that's like you lost 250 grand on that deal. You don't think about what you lose. You think about what you gain. You prepare for loss, and then you enjoy win. Everybody else, everybody does it backwards, and that's very important. Here's, here's a nickel's worth of free advice that I'm not actually going to be sharing in today's breakdown. Here's a little extra something just for you guys. Uh, most people go in expecting a win, right, and then assess their loss. So that's why people are so soured to investing because they go in thinking, oh, I'm going to put two bucks down and get 150 bucks back. And you're not horse racing. You're investing. First of all, it's a long game. So you can put $2 down and get 150 back later, but it's much later. It's not the next day. It's not, you know, people just get carried away with this instant gratification. They have the lottery mindset. That's not how investing works. Not how investing works. What you have to do is go in expecting a loss and understand what loss you're prepared to face. What are you prepared to do in order to see a, a, a win ultimately in the long run? And how are you prepared to leverage that loss? So if you go in at 20 and it drops to 15, are you prepared to invest at 15 to dollar cost average and offset the, the loss a little bit? If it drops to 10, are you prepared to invest more at 10? So that when it comes back up, You'll, get, you'll have even more. And then when it does come back up and your initial 20 and your additional 15 and 10, you know, however much you put in or whatever, you put, put $1,000 in at those three different price levels, are you prepared that when it comes out, you only make, you know, $1,500 in profit? Well, you should be because it's $1,500 of free money. You got $1,500 for doing nothing except giving, putting your money somewhere, uh, tucking it away so that you didn't spend it on garbage 
for a few months or a couple of years. That's pretty cool, right? So remember that. Go in expecting a loss, preparing for a loss, and planning around the potential loss, and only investing what you are prepared to lose. And then when the win comes, embrace the win. It's seriously, how can you reach in your pocket and find a $5 bill and go, hey, all right, and then go into your bank account and go, geez, I got $3.20 in interest, free money. I didn't even have to reach in my pocket to get that money. I could sit around all day long and that got that money, but you laugh at that. $3 in interest is a joke and damn banks and that's stupid and everything, but a $5 bill in your pocket, woohoo! mindset that you have to change. So we're going to work on that because that's a dangerous mindset to have in a downturned economy. We have to keep our spirits high. We have to keep our hopes high. We have to keep our eye on the future while we maintain things carefully and sensibly in the present. This is a time for potential growth, but you've got to plan for it. If you're going to sit in the corner and and weep and, and worry, then you're going to come out right where you started or potentially worse. Okay. So as part of the exclusive content that I make available to members of the Little Steps to Realizing Your Dreams program and the people in this group, uh, I am very not pleased to present. It's actually pretty bittersweet. I wish we didn't have to have this conversation. But since we do, I'm, I'm uh, proud, blessed. I'm not even sure the right word. I'm, I am glad, relieved. There's a good word. I am relieved that I can share this with you and maybe help you by presenting seven strategies to help you survive during a declining economy. Okay, that's what we're gonna do here. Now, before we begin, uh, I have to do a little bit of a disclaimer. I know I already have a disclaimer at the beginning of the show. We live in a cover your ass world, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, here's disclaimer number two. Uh, I just I just wanna make it very clear to you that I am not a licensed financial advisor, nor am I a fiduciary consultant of any kind. Um, I am just a a regular person, and I know you hear this all the time, the gurus always say this, right? I'm just like you, me and my $12 billion estate. And my, <laughs> yeah, I have five, six-figure companies, but I'm just like you. No, I really am just like you. Seriously, I mean, I, you know, I'm getting a good price for, my, price for my house, but some of you watching this probably sold your places for $1.2, $1.3 You got better money on your place. Maybe you had even better timing than me. I'm just a person. I am fallible. I do make mistakes. However, I have spent many years investing. I am 57 years old, and I have spent a lot of those years uh, in, in investment. My grandfather taught me the first things that I ever learned about investing, and I would have been about 14 years of age at the time. So I've been doing this a while, over 40 years, and I have been very successful. Most pertinent to you in this moment in, in um, taking stock and what I have to offer you is to understand that I'm currently maintaining a 35% profit in my overall portfolio despite the economic situation. Now, that will still drop a little uh, as things keep going down, but I'm not going to go below 25%. And if that doesn't sound like a, a, a large amount, understand that the average person, especially in North America, maintains a profit of around 6 to 8 maybe 9% in good times. In really booming times, that can get up to 12% because there's enough moving along that money managers are actually willing to share something closer to the actual profits with you. But in regular times, they hoard it all for themselves. That's why you're still sitting on top of a mortgage in the house you bought eight, nine, 10 years ago, 
and they're buying their third house and traveling there in their Maserati and, you know, and spending weekends at the cottage on their boat and flying their private jet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So mutual funds suck. Just going to throw that out every once in a while to remind you, do not get into mutual funds. Manage your own money, for heaven's sake. You can hire a fiduciary to, you know, help you. And a fiduciary has to tell you everything they're doing and they're not allowed to actually uh, invest in, in what they're recommending to you. They're, if they are investing in it, they have to tell you. And they also have to allow you to invest before they do. They can't invest ahead of you. You can go ahead and research why that's important if you don't already understand. I, you, know, you may not get why that's a factor. It's very important, especially to their credibility. Um, and fiduciaries only charge a fixed fee for their services. One off, that's it. It's the same no matter what they do for you. Um, a broker. Most of you probably have like an online brokerage, uh, TD Waterhouse, um, Scotia. I don't know if it's still Scotia McLeod or it's, it's probably Scotia Bank Investing. Anyway, whatever they are. There's a lot of them bank-based. If you have um, a discount broker or an online broker or whatever, those are fiduciaries. They charge a set amount no matter what it is you do. And you know how much it is. There's no hidden fees. There's no percentages. They don't get a piece of this. They don't get a piece of that. You buy a, a stock, you pay five, seven, ten dollars. You sell a stock, you pay five, seven, ten dollars, whatever your rate is, whatever your fee is, and that's it. Period. So that's that's fiduciary, uh, in a nutshell. So you can get a reputable person to help you answer your questions, do whatever. That's fine. You don't need a financial advisor, and you definitely don't need a money manager. Seriously. Anyway. So that's roughly, you know, in, in, in good times, about 6 to 9%. I will be maintaining no less than 20 to 25% profit in my overall portfolio, even when the economy completely tanks. So the tips that I'm about to share with you are part of the strategy that I personally use to accomplish that financial position. Okay? Anyway, enough disclaimers and setups. Let's get started. I know you're anxious to hear this. The seven strategies to help you survive during a declining economy. Now, some of these may be things you've heard before, but we're going to delve a little deeper. And of course, as always, I will have some supporting material, checklist, etc., something for you to to download, to print off, to use, to you know follow this a little more closely. And I'm always available uh, to talk if you want a, a little bit more information. Uh, you know, let's get on a call. Let's uh, shoot the breeze and, and and talk a little bit about the specifics of some of these things that I'm going to share with you. <clears throat> so let's get started. We'll begin with um, <clears throat> the uh, the dreaded B word. No, not Beetlejuice, budgeting. Number one is budgeting. And I know as soon as I said that, half of you cringed, right? <clears throat> you shouldn't. The only reason you're cringing is because you know that a budget is going to show you the truth about your finances. You got to get your head out of the sand. You can't continue to kid yourself. You know, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. You know, we got this, we got that. So we'll go ahead and spend the money on that. You probably don't have the money. And when things get tight, you definitely don't have the money. So budgeting is really important. You need to get serious about budgeting. This may seem very obvious, but very few people actually budget consistently. And it is more important than ever when uh, prices begin to rise and markets begin to tumble. 
By maintaining a concise budget, not only are you going to be able to find ways to reduce your spending, which is very, very important, but you're also going to be able to calculate how much of your income is actually surplus, or what you may have heard is disposable income. This can be used to maintain an emergency fund. This is really important. You want to put as much aside as possible into an emergency fund by budgeting your outlay to the penny. Once you accurately calculate your surplus, then make sure that you pay this amount to yourself first. Don't wait until everything else has been paid to take your surplus. If you wait, I guarantee you when you come for it, it will be gone. Very important to pay yourself first. And to, to do that, you have to be budgeted very accurately because you're going to want to set up your budget, put all your expenses in, be honest about your expenses, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, put in your personal outlays, you know, calculate your incomes, additional incomes, blah, 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 you name it. Get everything in there and budget to the penny, okay, so that you can calculate out a surplus number. My budget includes a little thing called surplus. Just says surplus right on it. And that's extra money. Now, for the first couple of months, you'll want to just put that money somewhere where you can get at it real easy in case something comes up, in case something happens. But before very long, very brief amount of time, if you get paid um, you know, every two weeks, then you'll see two paychecks a month. Twice a year, you'll see three paychecks in a month. And so you can go for two, three, maybe even four paychecks month to month and a half and um, and just put the money aside but keep it where you can get at it quickly. Most banks will offer um, a savings account like an everyday savings or a common savings or a personal savings, whatever. They got different names. But just make sure that they uh, have no fees except for transactions. You don't want to do your banking inside your savings account. But to move money back and forth between that savings and your active account or whatever, wherever you need to put it, there shouldn't be any charge for that. You should have unlimited transactions within your system. So it costs you absolutely nothing to have that account. And it's just like a little holding account. And it's super accessible, free to pull money out of. Tuck the money in there and see how much of it you can hang on to. That'll give you an idea of whether or not your surplus calculation is accurate. You, you might have a nice number there and then find out, eh, that's about $30 too rich. Because there's this and then that comes up. I forgot my cup of coffee. Whatever. It's fine. Tweak it and work with it. and. Just bring it back down, fix it, change the number, just keep working it. I change my budget at least every month. Things change, things get adjusted. When the pandemic hit, I, we got all sorts of breaks and rebates and stuff from utilities and other companies. We'll talk a little bit more about that as well. So I had to go in and change all the numbers because I, if you get a rebate, it's 5%, it's 8%, it's, it's nothing. But if you're getting it from the insurance company, the car leasing company, the <laughs> utility, the, the gas, the water, the, you know, if everybody's giving you stuff, it will add up. But only if you go and crunch your, re-crunch your numbers, see the difference, and move the difference down into your surplus. Zoom, zoom. While everybody else was panicking through the pandemic, those of us with a proper surplus calculating budget have been rifling money into a little protected or emergency fund. I've got a nice little nest egg now, which I'm going to use for my moving expenses when we sell this place. <laughs> so it's it, it can add up, but you have to make it add up, and a budget is exactly what's going to do that for you. So once you have it really down and you see consistently week over week or two weeks over two weeks or whatever period over whatever period, you see that that number holds true and it, and it works, then make sure you 
pay it to yourself and consider putting it somewhere where you can't get it back to really make sure you don't get tempted and go, oh yeah, I've got a couple of bucks over here. Throw it in your brokerage, put it right on an investment, stick it on a bond or a bill, put it somewhere where you can't actually get it back. And in two or three years, you're going to go back and go, oh, what happened to all that stuff I put over here and I put over here? You're going to open it up and go, holy crap, look at the money. And then you'll be able to upgrade to a bigger investment, maybe buy some real estate or something. It's going to add up quickly. You don't have to start with a lot, but you have to start with a lot of discipline. You don't have to start with a lot of money, but you have to start with a lot of discipline and tracking. And then eventually it'll become automatic. You can automate the whole thing. You can literally set up an automated transfer. The moment your paycheck hits within 24 hours, X number of dollars is taken out and put over here. You'll never even miss it. But when you find it later, ooh. <laughs> so how do you budget effectively? One moment, please. How do you budget effectively? You start with your expenses. You finish by paying yourself first, but you start with your expenses, which brings us to number two tip, tracking expenditure. It's vital, especially in uncertain economic times, to track your spending very, very closely, very accurately, and very honestly. So dig out old bank statements, um, bills, invoices, whatever you need, and determine the actual numbers. And be honest with yourself about your personal spending. There's no point in lying to yourself. It's the area that you have the most control over. And so you can maximize emergency funds and other funds by exercising some of that personal control by being honest about the expenditures. Now, many of your payments to other parties like insurance, housing, sometimes utilities, um, they're fixed. So you want to lock those numbers into your budget first to ensure that your bills get paid. You always got to make sure your bills are paid. You don't want to get into that headache. Also be on the lookout for financial relief from some of your providers. You probably saw some of these programs in place during the pandemic. If a full recession hits, these measures may be kept in place or reinstated. And don't be afraid to ask about such provisions. Every bit helps. So you 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 want to when, when I say honest, you know, I don't mean you know, don't be cheating or whatever. It's not, it's you, it's only yourself you're lying to um, in terms of, of being dishonest about your expenditures. But some people just have that urge to kind of fudge their own numbers because you know when you get down to it and you see what you really have left as a surplus is like yikes and then you don't want to give things up right you get used to a certain lifestyle well when times are tight life gets tight you just you have to tighten your belt you have to bear down and one of the first things you want to tighten up on is your own personal expenses because they are things you can do without temporarily they're not necessities and life may be a little less pleasant, but it's going to be way more pleasant coming out the other side if you make these concessions. Now, once you've tracked uh, your spending and identified the variables, then you can look at adjusting some of those variable areas. Okay, so, so the next thing um, to expenditures is to lower your spending. So when you're identifying expenses, one of the areas you're going to identify is your personal output. But remember that your bills, utilities, costs, overhead, those are all spending. Anything that's going out is spending. 
Spending isn't just what you drop in cash. Spending is expenditure. So anything that's going out, if it's not income, it's outgo, and that's spending. So you can find ways to lower it all the way around. So let's look at a few of them. The greatest power that you have over your budget is your actual personal spending. So you need to make an effort to reduce that when times are tight. Spending less will leave a greater amount of uh, money that you can apply to surplus, which will strengthen things like your emergency funds. Obviously, examples of personal expenses would be um, food and beverage, uh, gas, entertainment. And I know they're things you don't necessarily want to give up, but that's it's the thing you have the most control over, and that's the way to make it go a little smoother. You can also leverage some savings with your utilities if you practice greater conservation, unless, of course, you plumped for equal billing. If you did, try to reverse that. Try to get out of that if you can. It can be difficult. The companies will, will try to prevent you from getting out of it because it serves their best interests, not yours. Yes, they lied to you. Surprise, surprise. Uh, reach out to me directly for more information on why equal billing is a ripoff, if you would like. In the meantime, look into the ways of making more of your expenditures variable amounts uh, over which you have control. It'll empower you to create significant additional surplus. Now... On to the topic of investments. This is a sore subject even in good times. <laughs> but uh, one, of the, one of the most important things um, in, in, during un uncertain times is to reduce your stress. Investing is a high-stress conversation. Whether you're doing it, whether you're hearing about it, whether you're seeing somebody else who's made a million uh, in the market and you think, why didn't I get on, on board that? What, it doesn't really matter. Investing is, tends to be a high-stress conversation and a high-stress activity. So, so number four is a very important one. This is not as much of a financial conversation, but it is really, really important. That's why I kind of stuck it right in the middle of all of this. And that is to take a break. Okay? It's important to avoid anything that creates stress for you. Obviously, this is important all the time, but in uncertain times, it's even more important and it's harder to accomplish. One of the first things that I want to suggest is that you take a break from your portfolio for a while. I don't mean, you know, sell it or run away from it. Don't do that. <laughs> I mean, take a break from it. There's very little that you can do about what's happening inside your portfolio now that the downturn is already underway. But I'll bet you're probably watching your investments really, really closely. That's only going to serve to make you anxious and stress you out and for no good reason because there's nothing you can do about it. It may even cause you to panic and lead you to make a bad decision. So you're much better off to turn your attention elsewhere, like on your budget and your cash flow, things that you can control. Now, a little bit of a disclaimer here. I can't, or, or not, disclaimer, codicil. Even though there's no value to obsessing over your losses, you should keep an eye on the market in general, not your specific portfolio and the up and down and the drops and the, oh man, don't, don't drive yourself to a heart attack with that volatility. But you should keep an eye on the market in general because this can be the best time to invest. And I know as soon as I said that, everyone went, what? <laughs> yeah, seriously. 
So number five is look for opportunities. Um, it may seem counterintuitive to invest in a declining market, but that is the way that many of the world's wealthiest people actually made their fortunes. It's true. The whole idea of successful investing is to buy low and sell high. The problem is, is that few people have the stomach for risk and they just consider it too dangerous to put money into something during times of economic uncertainty. That sentiment is perfectly understandable, but the, the truth is you're never gonna find stocks at a better price than in the midst of a recession. So the key is to invest in solid companies with a good reputation, preferably ones that have weathered bad times in the past. But above all else, only do what you're comfortable with and consult a financial professional before you put money into anything. Now, if you genuinely have no stomach for risk, and that is perfectly okay, all right? I've seen some people that talk about that, and, and, and it's like they're laughing at people that, I don't have a huge stomach for risk, to be honest. I stick my neck out a little bit more than some people my age, uh, because as you get older, you, you take less risk. Um, I'm looking for, you know, big growth, and I know I have to take some chances but I'm not thrilled about it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I don't, some people just love taking risks. I don't, I don't understand those people. Um, so it's perfectly okay if you don't have a stomach for risk, that's okay. And if so, then you might wanna look into securities. So I'm gonna speak kind of, um, sorry, specifically about that. Um, but the number six topic is investigate investment options. And one of those we're gonna talk about is definitely um, securities. When the economy is struggling, uh, securities can be a great alternative investment, especially for people who have a low tolerance for risk. Not only are securities safer than equities for the most part, but their value is often higher during a downturned economy, in the midst of a downturned economy. When you hear advisors talk about a balanced portfolio, they mean one of two things. The less reputable brokers are referring to having lots of different instruments in a mutual fund, which primarily gives the fund manager the opportunity to charge more fees. Yeah. But when fiduciary advisors refer to balance, they're actually talking about having a variety of specific types of investment, ranging from property to stocks to bills to bonds. So the balance between security and equity, in this case, protects you from volatility by splitting your interests into multiple areas each one of them performing differently in various economic clients, climates, sorry. So again, consult with a trusted financial professional before putting your money into anything. Now, in the midst of all of this, it's very important that you, you don't lose sight of the future. So which leads us to our last point, number seven, um, which is basically continue planning for the future. A lot of times we kind of just, you know, curl up in a ball, right? In times like this. So just because the economy is correcting itself does not mean you have to give up on your savings and investing, especially for your future. So this is an opportunity for you to get away from the short-term financial thinking, right? That quick win, instant gratification. Everyone's looking for the quick gains, but financial wealth of all kinds is actually a long game. So imagine if the year you plan to retire, another recession hits. Are you prepared for that? 
Do you have emergency funds? Is your retirement fund in a recession-proof vehicle? Are you investing in a way that keeps your portfolio in the black no matter what the markets are doing? Here's a really good one for you, especially pertinent in the current economy. Is your retirement plan inflation-adjusted? One of the number one strains on retirement funds, for those who even have them, is a failure to adjust for inflation. You want to prepare for about 4% annually for the foreseeable future. And if you don't think that's real, understand that right now, inflation is at a rate of about 7.5%. Now, this is obviously just an overview, but I hope that it has alerted to you to some of the things that you may not have considered little warnings, but I also hope that you can use some of these suggestions to make your life uh, easier for yourself and your loved ones now in tougher times and in even in boom times. Because if you apply these things um, into your life now, uh, when times are not so bad, then you get practiced at it and then you can really get to work in the tougher times to put this money aside, make some wise investments, get a plan together and do it. Then imagine, once you've got that in place, when we hit the good times or on the rise again, or when we hit a boom time and you're still practicing this excellent financial management in your life, just imagine what's going to happen then, right? So it's kind of like um, learning, uh, practicing, and taking your test on a, on a standard transmission, right? And then driving an automatic, right? It's... It's very much like that. So, so get practiced now. Um, then you'll be really good at this uh, in the tough times. And then the tough times, remember, they're going to be tough times anyway, right? You're struggling anyway. Why not struggle while you learn and create a new strategy for a better future? And then when you get really good at handling your money, when the good times come, when a windfall comes through, when you get a raise, whatever, you're going to really be able to maximize that money, put it somewhere good, and create a really great future for yourself with a great income, freedom, maybe early retirement. The time to plan is right now. And if we're going to be in a dark time, hey, the time will pass anyway. As I like to say, the time will pass anyway. Why not spend it creating a new strategy for growth and greater success? In the meantime, stay calm, sit tight. This too shall pass. Make good decisions and better choices and you will be okay. So uh, until next week, uh, keep working to become the best version of yourself. And as always, continue to take little steps to big success. I will see you next time.